Welcome to Not Safe for Publication, a podcast about the lighter side of humanities research. I'm Georgia. I'm Anna, and today we have Imran. Imran, welcome. Hi, Georgia and Anna. Can you please introduce yourself for our listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, everyone. I'm Yingnan Chu. I'm from the University of Exeter, and I'm at the Department of Drama. Currently, I'm doing my PhD research on stand-up comedians, and especially those British-Chinese stand-up comedians based in the UK. And before that, I finished my master's degree at the University of Edinburgh, and also on the theatre studies. And I hope I could share some of my thoughts on the research with you in this podcast. That sounds like a really interesting field of study. How did you become interested in stand-up comedy as something to research? Honestly, my initial plan for my doctoral research was on comedy, but it's a quite wide range of study, so I feel I need to narrow down my scope of my research because it's impossible to cover different forms of performance, comedic performance, in a three-year research. So the reason why I choose stand-up comedy is that I feel this is a form of comedy that allows the comedians to have much more power to speak for themselves as well as the groups or identities they represent, and compared with other forms of comedy like sitcom or solo performance, stand-up comedians are allowed to talk more about their life experience and to decide what to speak. So in this form of comedy, I feel I could have more access to the real life of comedians and to see how comedy as a form of performance has its impact on personal experience, personal thoughts and feelings as well as on the audience and even to the whole society. In terms of methodology, obviously the variety of media that nowadays is used to disseminate comedy is quite wide. You've got stand-up comedy on television, you obviously have live shows, live shows can be a singular comedian or a, a range of comedians, then obviously you've got YouTube and that spreads around quite a lot of comedy, you know, TikTok became uh, increasingly more popular. So what kind of sources do you look at and how do you engage with them? Basically, the main source of my research is live performance. It requires me to go to different comedy clubs and also to those tours like in different cities in Britain. And also I will focus on live stream because... As we can see, the influence of the pandemic, more and more comedians are transforming their performance from the comedy club to the virtual comedy club on the website like YouTube, Livestream or other websites. So affected by the pandemic, after I collect some information, some live performance in comedy club, recently I focus on Livestream and of course recorded programs online. And except that, I also pays attention to some radio programs like BBC4 where a lot of comedians got chance to have their own shows and uh, these are recorded and it's more accessible now when I am not allowed to go to the comedy clubs. So which comedians did you consider? How did you pick them? Well, currently I focus on three main comedians. They are Evelyn Mok, Phil Wen and Ken Chen. As you can see, these are all British Chinese comedians or it's more accurate to say that 
the Chinese comedians based in the UK because like Evelyn Mook is a Swedish Chinese. She came from Sweden, but she started and developed her comedy career in the UK. The reason why I focus on them, of course, on the one hand, is I feel the lack of representation of the Chinese in Britain is something I should address as Chinese myself. On the other hand, is that honestly, the initial plan of my study was on like. The relation between gender and comedy, but when I look into this topic, I realize that the gender issues or say the gender problems in the comedy industry is more than gender. It's a quite intersectional problem. It involves not only gender but also like class and ethnicities. And I feel that if I want to get deeper research, I should narrow down my scope. So that's why I'm focusing on three particular performers. And also, as Anna mentioned. In the conference, you mentioned like Uncle Roger. Yes, so Nigel is also included in my research. But since I am not able to cover every aspect of four comedians in my research, I feel I just put him as a kind of additional information. Sorry, sorry for this, but he's the additional part of my research. Have you been able to interview any of the comedians you work with? Yes, I have already done some interviews with Evelyn Mook, and she is. The only one who is willing to speak to me for such a long time about her comedy career and、uh, her her life in Sweden and then moved to the UK and I thought it's quite interesting to speak with another Chinese woman whilst we all understand that we are coming from quite different background. Like one moment in our interview is that the interview was held in a cafe and Evelyn Mok said like now we are talking to each other and we. Totally understand that we have different background and we are communicating to share different insights and thoughts. But for other guests in this cafe, they must think we come from the same place and we are talking our own language and we are just two Chinese women. So it's quite amazing. Like we were talking about something quite different and probably we have quite different insights about something, but. For the so-called outsiders, we were the same. Yeah, and she's got a podcast with Nigel on. So did you use that as well? Yes, that's why I put Nigel into my research after I had the interview with Evelyn Mok. But when I include him into my research, and when I talk with Evelyn Mok. We talk about like the Chinese community in Britain and especially the comedians community, and to talk about how although they are producing a podcast and they talk about their thoughts like from growing up in a Chinese family and they share some similar experience. At the same time, just like I am different from Evelyn Mok, Mok also mentions that although part of their life experience are similar, but they also Have some different experience due to different cultural background in Sweden and in Malaysia and later on in Britain. So that's why after I had the interview with her and to learn more about Nigel, I realized that although I include all these comedians into my research under the umbrella term of British Chinese comedians, they're quite different, and、uh, sometimes it makes me feel so confused. Like when we are all Chinese, we are so different, and、uh, the Chinese-ness becomes something non-existent to some extent. Having sort of thought that much about how different the people that you're looking at are, are there things you found that are the same? Are there sort of like common themes in your work? You talked about a kind of self-reflexive 
angle or an ability to talk about their lives are there other things that link these comedians or are they really different one of the link is about their Chinese family of course in their routines it's inevitable to talk about their families and how Chinese parents get along with them and the the, the conflict between the Chinese family and the Western culture that is more popular at school and in their daily life so we always see the conflict between the values the Chinese parents try to educate to their children and the value these comedians receive from the mainstream media and from school and it is a quite big theme in their performance and sometimes I also get some resonance with them because I feel that at least for those born in 90s and after 2000 in China we are more and more influenced by the western media and western values and uh, we are also experiencing the conflict between the traditional or the conventions of Chinese values and uprising western ideas if we have to say these are western I think this is very interesting how you deconstruct what it means to be British Chinese or Chinese person living in the UK and I was thinking I know that Chinese American studies are a little bit more developed are there any studies into Asian comedy in America and do you see something different about UK as opposed to America? Well, honestly, I didn't have much research on the comparison between the British Chinese and American Chinese. But from my very limited research, I feel that part of the difference is that the, the whole cultural background, like for America, because it's a country that accepts more people from different countries in the world, whilst I feel Britain, of course, is not such a country that focus on attracting more people from different countries and from different ethnicities coming to Britain. So this decides how the Chinese are received and accepted in Britain and uh, in America in a quite different way. And also it just reminds me that I feel probably it's also relevant to the history. Like for Britain and when I studied British Chinese, I realized that how this group came to Britain is deeply affected by the history like because part of the China and part of the Asia was once colonized by Britain so there is the connection that the past colonial connection between Britain and China and of course Malaysia like other Asian countries whereas this connection doesn't exist between at least not between China and America. You've mentioned dealing with history for the Chinese community in Britain and I thought particularly about Phil Wang because he's done Lucy Radio Show which was talking about the sort of British Empire and that was a very interesting take and I was wondering what you thought about that. Yes, I thought that in that episode he he refers a lot to the history and the history of his family. But in fact, one thing I am more interested in that episode is that whilst he talked about the history of colonization, of course, and the people traveling between like Malaysia, China, and Britain. One thing, or say one thing, impressed me most is that he thought, like in one of his routine, he mentioned in terms of racism, he thought it was about black and white. And this is a routine quite impressed me because before that, I didn't hear much about Chinese people talking about racism in this way 
to compare the racism the Chinese or say the Asian people with the black and white thing and I feel it's quite ironic to some extent and uh, yes this is the thing that impressed me most and as for the history I feel probably so a question that I've just been wanting to ask this whole time have you done any stand-up yourself or do you want to? Yes, I have done one stand-up show in my department. The audience were my friends, other PGRs in our department. And I am writing my second show script right now because I tried to do a conclusion of my pandemic life in the UK and in China. So I'm preparing it. And in the last comedy show, I share some of my experience of inviting my my mom and my grandmother to the UK for my master degrees graduation ceremony. I invite them to come to UK and we travel around UK and they are experiencing much more so-called cultural shocks than myself. So it's quite interesting to share the experience of traveling with my mom and my mom's mother in a foreign country except that I share some of my thoughts like my reflection on learning English and some question I could never answer like how are you is a quite embarrassing thing like this is one example of what my stand-up comedy talked about and I thought it's quite interesting to perform while doing a research because it provides me another angle to look at the experience of being a comedian and it provides me more experience of being the position where the comedians might be. So when I had the interview with Evelyn Moog, I had more questions on performance because I had some similar experience. I could have some more questions to her. And on the other hand is that I realized how stand-up comedy become a connection between people with different cultural backgrounds. Like, for example, I had some routines, just as I mentioned, about study in a foreign language and learning English. And after the show, a lot of, not a lot of, but some, okay, honestly, some of my friends who also learned English and they came to the UK said that they had quite similar experience. And I feel it's so amazing because they come from other countries, like other parts of Asia and other parts of Europe. So I feel it's cool, like without this comedy show, I would not know that we had some similar difficulties in learning English. That's a wonderful thing, and it sounds like it was a very productive experience. We always ask our guests to tell us about something fun or lighthearted that brightened their day, that made their research more enjoyable, and that would hopefully brighten the day of our listeners. Do you have anything to tell us? Yes. I got two things there and uh, you can decide which one sounds even funnier although I feel they are not that funny but they are funny to me sorry it's it sounds strange but it is well one thing impressed me or say quite funny to me is that when I first went to Evelyn Moog's live comedy show as a researcher rather than just a audience I was sitting in the first row of the small comedy club and uh, trying to observing how the, the comedy show is developing. And then I was addressed to by Evelyn Moog. I was quite shocked because she turned to me after she had some talk with other audiences. She suddenly turned to me and asked me, are you a spy sent by the Chinese government? Well, 
It was a horrible moment, but after the show ends, I feel, wow, it's a quite. Was this before you had met her in person? Yes, it was before I met her in person and to had a interview. So this is the first time we literally have a talk. <laughs> and、uh, after she asked me this question, all the audience. Were loving, but it was quite embarrassing to me because I tried to perform well. At that time, I just realized the comedy theory, which talks about how the audience participate in the comedy show. I feel I have the responsibility to make this joke even funnier, but sorry, I failed. But when I look at other audience and I saw them laugh, I feel okay. Probably I don't have to react too much to it. <laughs> just simply note it and、uh, let it go. But I really hope that I could work out the so-called perfect answer to this question if I am challenged in future comedy shows. I think you you could ask her back whether she is a spy. Cool. Or just don't say anything and take out a notebook and write write it down. Oh, that would be really fun. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes, that's great. I will pass this on to Chairman. I'll、uh, talk to you later. <laughs> just. <laughs> We will talk to you later. We'll contact you later. <laughs> See you after the show. <laughs> Thank you. I got a lot more inspirations. Did you say you had an- another one as well? Yes. Something makes me happy during the research is that after I had my first comedy show, I feel I impressed all my audience. So after that, every time at the department or we had party at home, they would mention like Ina performs well. Let's. Invite her for a comedy show, and although I reject them every time, but I feel it's it, it feels good to make people laugh and impress <laughs> them, and、uh, yes, it makes me feel quite proud of myself. Like I succeed in making people laugh just in the very first time of my performance. It's good to feel validated. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I know some good comedy clubs in the north that that are very friendly towards newcomers. If you ever fancy performing. <laughs> In the north of England, I once went to some comedy shows in Edinburgh. When I was studying in Edinburgh, I go to the comedy club, club called the Stand. It's quite famous. I don't know if it's quite famous, but it's famous to me. Well, I went to the Stand, and、uh, I thought it's a quite challenge to watching Scottish comedians because of the accent for for the Chinese、uh, English learner. But it's cool to just to watch their shows. But I have to say that I do afraid of being called out. Is that the called out? Like being noticed, being spotted during the show. It's too horrible to me, and、uh, so every time I would just hide myself in the corner. It sounds strange, but I just don't know why. The first time I sat in the first row and I was spotted. And being asked questions like the Chinese spy thing, so well, not everyone's ready to engage. I think that's why now, when you go to a comedy show, people know that the first two rows are the ones who are likely to be asked questions. So they, if they don't want to, they just don't, don't sit there. I was at the comedy club at the stand, and I had similar experience because I haven't been at that point in the UK for too long. English isn't my first language, and most of the comedians there were local, so there were Geordies. And I really struggled to understand their accent,、um, and and I had to like ask a couple of my friends to kind of repeat. We're like, what are they talking about? And they're like, they're talking about Sunderland.、Yes. You will not understand it, but it is hilarious. And I was like, okay, I believe you. 
what's your favorite stand-up show that you've ever seen? The show you walked out of and you were like, that's brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Well, I feel recently, the first show came into my mind is not a live show, sorry, but it's Daniel Slow's Netflix show. Is that called X? Jigsaw. Yeah, X and Jigsaw, both of them. I feel both of them were so great because it, it infused both his life experience and some reflections and it's cool to make people laugh and cry in a stand-up comedy show. Brilliant. That sounds really good. And I'd love to go see a comedy show with you and get, get your thoughts on that. I'm hopefully seeing Phil Wang in September. I was going to go see him in March 2020. That still has not happened. <laughs> yes, and he, he just finished his Netflix recording in June. Mm. So probably we can also look forward to his new release of, on Netflix. I'll definitely love to talk to you about that. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's been really, really great to hear about your research. Thank you. Thank you. And it's possibly we've broken our record for the longest distance recording. Yeah, I think that's true. I think our previous longest was someone in Canada? I think our previous longest was in South Africa. Oh yeah, probably true. So yeah, this is new, new, most transglobal recording. (laughs) Cool. And thank you, our listeners, very much for listening. Thank you, Anna, for hosting. Thank you, Georgia. And as always... Don't tell your supervisors what you heard here today. What happens on the podcast stays on the podcast. Not Safe for Publication is a podcast by and for the research students of the Faculty of Humanities at the University of Manchester. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter at NSFP Podcast or you can email us at nsfppodcast at gmail.com. Our intro and outro music is... Hat the Jazz by Twin Musicom.